0: Well, if you need help for food addiction problems, today's guest will give us some guidance. He is an LA-based psychologist, a frequent contributor to Gwyneth Paltrow's lifestyle website, Goop. How fancy. And he's the author of two books, most recently, We Are All Addicts. So welcome to the show, Dr. Carter Stout.
1: Thanks so much, Stephanie. It's great to be here.
0: I'm going to put you in the place of honor right behind me.
1: Wonderful. So everyone
0: can see. Now, I was joking with you earlier saying that I am not Larry King, but you have been on the Larry King show, right? Among other media outlets.
1: That is true. I did Larry King about, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And we were speaking about dreams and Mm -hmm. the importance of dreams from a Jungian perspective.
0: Well, that's very fancy. I was telling you that I am not Dr. King. Or Larry King, and I may make a lot of mistakes today, so I hope that you'll bear with me and the our little tiny podcast here, because our course. listeners think, are so excited to doing, have you.
1: I think you're doing fantastic.
0: Well, thank you. But I have to tell you, one of the reasons I connected with you, Dr. Stout, and your book is that I feel like when I was reading this, you were really connecting with me. You were super honest about your own experiences about addiction and food addiction specifically, but could you tell our readers and listeners a little bit about your personal experiences with addiction, if you don't mind
1: touching on that? Of course, absolutely. I'm an open book and uh, I've written about it. So I have been addicted to many things in my life. My first addictions really came up as sugar addictions when I was just a small boy, I used to binge on sugar, on ice cream, on candy, so much so that when I didn't have money in my pocket, I would often go to the local convenience store and and shoplift to get a candy bar. That's how strong the sugar addiction was. And um and as I grew into adolescence, and I had a very difficult situation with my parents that were uh, splitting up. And I really blamed myself for their divorce, and it was a very uh, contentious divorce, and I internalized it, and I really didn't know how to soothe myself. And that's when I first began my eating disorders, which started when I was about 12. And at first, it was restricting my food, and then it became uh, bulimia and i was bulimic for about 12 years from age 12 to 25 and so it followed me throughout my uh young adulthood and um and then uh i i got a handle on that eventually and started developing healthy patterns uh with with my food intake And then my addictions changed into alcohol and then into substance abuse. So I've had definitely a lot of them.
0: I I hear what you're saying. And I appreciate that you're being so honest. I think so many of us uh, pretend these things aren't happening and don't talk about them. So -hmm. the fact that you're just being so transparent and sharing not only about your food addiction, but how that translated to other areas of your life, it made me really trust you. As a reader, when I was reading your book, I want to talk to you more because I feel like you can identify because a lot of us have these issues, but we don't know what to do with those feelings. And the fact that you're speaking about them, honestly, it makes it more like real, like something that we can discuss maybe. Is it common to have these issues? I mean, am I the only one out there? And you? (laughs) Are we the only ones? What do you think?
1: Oh, well, I appreciate you saying that, Stephanie, because... If I had had a platform when I was younger in which to express myself and speak about my feelings, I think I would have been able to heal a lot faster. Uh, But when I was growing up in Washington DC in the early eighties is when, or or actually the late seventies, a a young boy having a, a food addiction was very uncommon. And even when my parents found out about it, they didn't know what to do. And so I just went to my normal general practitioner um, and he said, "Okay, well, we're going to weigh you every uh, two weeks. And as long as you're gaining weight, then everything's going to be okay." But I had no psychological intervention, no one who understood food addictions, no one to speak to. And so I was in a lot of shame about it. And it was very secretive as food addictions are and i think primarily that's why it it continued on for for such a long time
0: right it's like no one was really getting to the root of the problem they're just like hey we're going to weigh you once a week and then boom you're done
1: kind of was right. that the attitude and your doctor do had i would everything i could to gain weight before the weigh in i would you know drink a gallon of orange juice so that i would have water weight and i would wear you know uh, I, I i think I um, would carry batteries in my, in my pockets and things, you know, I was trying to beat the system
0: and it probably worked for a while anyway.
1: It did. It did.
0: Yeah. And then people are happy to move on and not really get to the root of the issue.
1: That's right. So, That's exactly right.
0: Do you think it's I pretty think it common among, an,
1: it was more of an embarrassment than anything else to my parents and said, you know, what is going on with our son? Well, why can't he just be normal? And Right. So.
0: It's a, it's a heavy
1: load. I mean, a lot of us are suffering
0: with these issues. I can't imagine that it's just women, uh, although that's a stereotype, but it's boys, um, adults. It's, it's a lot of different ages are dealing with these food addictions in different forms. Would you say?
1: Absolutely. You know, the, I, I think that food addictions begin with some sort of traumatic event, some sort of rupture in the family system, some sort of internalize negative belief about oneself but then when the addiction takes root it's very difficult because there's so much societal pressure now to look a certain way and you know there's the myth out there that uh, you know thinner is more beautiful and people that are a certain weight get more opportunities get more attention get more validation so once the addiction really takes root it's it's very Difficult because uh, people start to get positive attention. Like, oh, you look so wonderful. Whatever you're doing, it's great. great. Yeah, Yeah, you you look look great. Good job, Carter. (laughs) Little do they know that someone is really struggling with this obsessive and compulsive loop that is driving their restricting of food or uh, bulimia or even overeating as well. So
0: you touched on like overeating. Um, I'm wondering for the people listening or watching, they might wonder, well, how do I know if I have food addiction or if I'm just having cravings and overeating? Like, how do you know? What's the difference or is there a difference?
1: Well, yes, the way that I define addiction in my book, We Are All Addicts, is simply I, I try to demystify this idea of addiction as not just chemical dependency or substance abuse but really a way that we behave and our mannerisms as human beings. And so addiction, I would define it as simply a loop of obsession and compulsion. So if you are obsessing about something, if you're thinking about that food in the fridge and you keep revisiting that thought and that, those thoughts are invasive, and then ultimately the compulsion is to go to the fridge, take the food out and eat it. I would say that you are caught in a loop of addiction.
0: Okay. So that's pretty fair. And that's a big definition, right? I mean, it's not just self-medicating. It can also just be those that loop of thoughts and behavior. Is that's that kind right. of So it can be more than just the typical boogeyman that we all think of as the addict like hiding in the basement, you know with exactly. needles in their arm. Isn't that kind of what society's taught us addiction is?
1: It is, it is. It's uh, the the way that addiction is portrayed in Western culture is that it's uh, opioid addiction. Um, and there are so many other addictions that are prevalent that I write about in the book. There's addiction to our telephones and technology. There's addiction to work. There's addiction to exercise. And exercise addiction and food addictions often are parallel to one another. Uh, People suffer from both of them simultaneously because, you know, vanity and exercise are really about how we look in our bodies, in our physical selves. And oftentimes, as I said, with food addictions, once they begin, then we like the way we look, and we sort of fashion. Our relationship with food around trying to encapsulate a certain weight or you know a certain size belt size.
0: Hmm. That's very true. Um. Gosh, the whole time you started talking about exercise and food, I just kind of my mind was like because I I hear that so often about I have to go to the gym, I have to exercise, I have to lose weight, I have to do it all, mm-hmm. and and like you said, sometimes they're so commingled. Um. People lose track of what it is they're how they're feeling about themselves or their self-esteem and they're traveling down this whole other avenue in life just looping that behavior
1: so I absolutely I, I kind of was like wow that's heavy I'll tell you when I found a way through my food addictions even even though I picked up other addictions I remember the sense of relief that I began to feel it was as if this uh, the chains were taken off of me, and I was free for the first time—free from this loop of obsession and compulsion. And my whole life began to change. Uh, This—the the energy inside of me uh, began to feel so much more natural, and I became more truthful and honest with others. And and so getting through some sort of food addiction of of overeating or restricting your food or purging your food is there is a way to the other side of it and once you get there it is the most wonderful feeling so there's hope is what you're saying
0: there is hope <laughs> when once you go down that path it's not like you're lost forever there's actually well, a way hard, out right? of the with,
1: darkness with drugs and alcohol we can abstain And we say, you know, I'm going to be sober. I'm going to go to meetings. I'm going to not drink alcohol anymore. I'm not going to take uh, substances anymore. uh, Or I'm not going to gamble anymore. I'm going to stay out of the casinos. Good example. I'm not going to watch any more pornography. You know, but how do you stop
0: eating? Dr. Carter?
1: We have (laughs) to still eat To nourish ourselves. So that's tricky. Establishing that healthy relationship with food. And in order to do that, we have to start to develop a healthy relationship with ourselves. Um, And that starts really with mm -hmm, mm self-love. And as I said before, there's so much societal pressure that you were talking about, about how we look externally. And psychologically, what I try to convey to my patients is that True health and true success is ultimately the most important thing is how we feel about ourselves, not about any external validation that we get or any criticism or judgment from from anyone else. Um, It's about our own relationship to ourself, which I talk a lot about in the book. And it really starts, I believe, with a connection to our soul or to Mm -hmm. our deep, authentic self to our essence that is filled with love, is filled with acceptance, is filled with kindness and generosity and curiosity. All of these really benevolent qualities that we come into the world with.
0: That's a lot easier says, said than done, may I just say?
1: <laughs> right, before anyone says to us, oh, you look better a certain way, or you have to change your size or your shape, or we get that information you know, from social media, or, or or magazines before any of that we come into the world really in this uh very pure place and that's what i attempt to reconnect my patients with let's find that place again let's find that place of self-assurance and self-confidence that comes from within doesn't come from the external world
0: I, I agree with you 100%. I'm just thinking about our listeners out there who are still in the, the depths of the food addiction. And I love there's an analogy used where it's like you're possessed <laughs> when that craving happens. That made me laugh out loud. I almost like spit out my drink. You said something about when a craving happens and you're in that moment and you're in that frantic energy and it's almost like you become possessed. How do you stop that and get to the point where you're talking about with self-love and not wanting to you know go to society's pressures and to to love yourself and how do you get from that moment of it frantic energy how do you it get takes, from a to b that's the part work, i think
1: stephanie it we need work. help
0: with that part are there, i mean like is there any practical else. are there tips because i because i know there I are so it's kind of a loaded of,
1: question i offer a lot of exercises in the book and like anything else we have to you know my my encouragement is for people to be vigilant About this. If you want to change your life, if you want to change your thought process, if you want to change your habits and your compulsions, then it's important that you incorporate spirituality into your life. And that can be every morning getting up and doing a spiritual practice. I do it every morning. I've been doing it for 17 years and I no longer have food addictions or really any other addictions in my life. And so I know that it works. Yes, because I was as 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 severe an addict as one could be with all, all of the things that I had listed before. And so this requires work. And I offer exercises in the book about how is it that we can connect to that place inside of ourselves? And one of the ways is to start a dialogue with your soul begin to acknowledge your soul. Your soul likes acknowledgement. It likes to be believed in and to ask your soul to help you, to uh, recognize when you're having a soul moment, which is when you're laughing with a friend or when you're eating a good meal and you just eat the right amount, when you are in a deep conversation with someone, when you're appreciating nature or sunshine, when you're um, reading something that inspires you and you feel like you're growing, those are all soul moments, and we can really appreciate those. We've all had them. We all know what they feel like. And if we're getting into a place of negativity or self-judgment or insecurity or disappointment or anger, then I would say that we are have moved into our more human side, which I like to call the ego. And addiction doesn't live in the soul. The soul doesn't understand or or really has no connection to addiction. Addiction lives in the ego. So if we can move ourselves into a more I like separate
0: form. these things, right? You're not yeah. saying there's anything wrong with you. It's not you who's flawed. No, we all have pleasure. Eating ego. the whole bag of chips. its That's a different part of you. And it's important to kind of separate that out and give yourself the love and understanding. Yes. Set that ego aside with the addiction issue.
1: Is We're kind human of- beings. We We are flesh and blood and we live on the earth for a finite period of time. So we are human. And all human beings have a dance between the soul and the ego our whole lives. It's the dark and the light. It's our negativity and our positivity. And so the more that we can connect to that loving, positive place, the less addiction is going to be a factor in our life, the less we are going to be obsessing about food because we are going to understand intuitively that food is a form of nourishment that we need. And it doesn't have to become a way in which we act compulsively and we soothe ourselves. It can just be something that helps us subsist and live in the world.
0: Okay, I'm getting it. I'm processing. And I love how you're saying, Dr. Carter-Stout, about these practical things that you can do at home to nurture your soul. Like I heard you say, like reading and journaling and conversation with friends, yoga, um, all those activities that make you feel good about yourself and that Mm -hmm. make you feel connected to your authentic self. That's what we need to nurture in order to combat the food addiction. Is that what you're...
1: That's exactly right. And uh, one of the things that I talk about in the book is this um, concept of earthing. Okay. Which I, I, I love this many times a week. And okay. really it's just walking around in bare feet on mother earth and allowing any energy that doesn't belong in you that, that has collected in you because we live in a, a, a world filled with energy and asking for that energy to, to drain from your body down through your feet into mother earth. And then to Ask for Mother Earth to replenish you with its ions, uh, with with her ions and 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 her positive, beautiful energy, and so it's kind of a, um, you know, a release and then a gathering of energy, and I try and do it for between thirty and forty five minutes, uh, several times a week, and it makes such a difference in how I feel.
0: I I could not agree with you more. I had no idea that was a thing, but my only personal example, I. As soon as I read that, I thought of like when I was on vacation or when I'm at the beach, I feel amazing and I feel connected to myself and I don't overeat and I don't chew gum obsessively like I do at home when I'm nervous and anxious. I have like mm-hmm. a gum addiction along with all my other, you know, all mm-hmm. my issues. But at home, when I get that franticness, I'll chew gum. and. Blah, blah, blah. But when I'm on vacation and walking on the beach, hiking, walking barefoot, I feel great. hmm is that an example kind of of what you're talking about? That is.
1: You know, the earth has this incredible positive energy that when we connect to the earth, it recharges us like a battery. It fills us up with uh the polarity of the earth and it reinvigorates us and makes us feel great. Just the way you were talking, if you spend a few hours on the beach running around, you just feel invigorated. And so it's a very simple exercise and it's something yes. that that for some people might be a little more difficult, but even if you just take your shoes off and put your feet on the ground in your in your small patch of grass that you have in your garden.
0: Well, I love um, Dr. Stout how you took these big ideas that are kind of overwhelming and complicated to people like me who aren't familiar with psychology and who don't see a therapist, but you've taken these huge ideas about connecting to your authentic self and then boiled it down to practical steps journaling, you know, meditation exercises, like earthing, um, that you can do to start nurturing yourself. And I thought it was just so practical. It just made sense. Like once you read it, you're like, yeah, that, that to- I get it. So I appreciate how you took such big ideas and made them tangible for people Thank like you. me that struggle.
1: It makes Thank sense you very much. It's it, great you know, advice. It came out of a place of necessity because, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was really suffering and really struggling for, for so many years with all kinds of different addictions. And I had to cultivate a practice that was going to help me get through it and get to the other side of it. And uh, so in the book are, are all of the practices that I do and have done over the years that that have been helpful to me. And, you know, I hope that when people read the book, they are... Struck with, as you said, the simplicity of a lot of it, and also that it's important to have hope that there is a path forward and there is a way to the other side of addiction. And uh, sometimes, when we're in the midst of these very strong addictive addictive cycles, it's it's hard to believe that you think you know I'm not going to change. There's no way I can change. This thing really has its hooks in me, and the truth is that, you know, I like to think of addiction as simply energy, that it's energy that we collect that's not ours. And so we can release that energy just as we can collect it. And the way to release it is through spiritual means. So simple.
0: But when you say it, it sounds, you know, I get it. Like, I can do these things. Like, you make me feel hopeful. You make me feel um encouraged like I can do this and I hope that's the takeaway from our listeners and watchers too um because it isn't a cycle that you're going to go down to forever and just be lost there are there are things you can do at home that are realistic that are free right that are doable that don't require like going to a therapist necessarily which is a great idea if you if that's part sure. of your you know what you're able to do but also a lot of people are just struggling alone and they're not ready yet to voice some of these Things out loud. It takes a while, don't
1: you think? Everything that I talk about in the book are exercises that I uh, offer to my patients. So mm, there's a lot of nuggets in the book that um I use therapeutically. and so and the and and most of them, as you said, are are free. yeah, they are that's, that's huge.
0: and they're unconventional. Exercises. I love how they're unconventional. I just have to throw that out there. It's not like you have to go to the AA meeting. You have to go to this. You have to go to this group therapy. You have to get this surgery. None of that. No medication. It's just common sense stuff that's, you know, maybe somebody else hasn't articulated to you. But once you start doing it, you're like, yeah, why haven't I been doing this all along? That's absolutely right. So I appreciate what you're offering to us, your honesty and your helpful tips and some, you know, it's a quick read and it's full of great great, hopeful, practical tips that you can do at home. So I do hope that all of our listeners and readers um, check it out. It's Dr. Carter Stout. His newest book is called We We Are All Addicts. Addicts.
1: And where can they check this out? Where can they pick up a copy? You can find it on Amazon. You can find it uh, at any online bookstore in Barnes and Nobles, pretty much anywhere they sell books and you can look me up at www.carterstout.com that's c a r d as in david e r s t o u t fabulous
0: was there anything i forgot to ask i feel like we
1: covered it all i think we covered it all
0: awesome well i appreciate you being here today i know you're a busy man especially the book launch this week so you've been super busy with your interviews on tv and stuff and and you know working on Gwyneth paltrow's website goop I'm I'm thankful you squeezed us in. I know you have a lot of celebrity patients. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) People love hearing that stuff, don't they? Yeah. Well, tell Gwyneth we all at Dirty Lazy Keto said hello. If she ever wants to come on our show, she's welcome. We'll
1: Well let her know
0: that Carter Stout referred her. Okay. Um, I'm just having fun with you, doctor, but thank you so much for being a, a guest on our show and, um, everybody check out his new book and please leave him a positive review on Amazon. That really helps, um, authors. You would not believe it's such a gift that you can do for any author to leave a positive five-star review and say how the book affected you. That's so hope everybody watching, um, stay tuned. I'm going to link up another video after this. That's all about never feeling full and the role of fiber. Isn't that exciting? Maybe doctor will stay and listen. I don't know. but Thank let's give you. our uh, watchers a round of applause give Doctor a big clap for being here today we appreciate his time and please leave comments um questions and keep listening keep watching keep fighting the good fight i believe Thank in you guys you. thanks for Thank being you here so much. okay Bye-bye. Take care. bye well that about wraps it up folks Thanks so much for listening and for being part of the Dirty Lazy Keto community. I'm here to support you. I am here to help. Would you like to be notified when a new episode drops? Sign up for my free newsletter so we can keep in touch. Enter your email at dirtylazyketo.com and I'll just send you quick notifications when something new is going on. My newsletters are free, of course, and you can unsubscribe at any time. Did you enjoy today's podcast? Do me a favor. Tell a friend. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Dirty Lazy Keto podcast. I believe in you, my friend. I know you can do this. See you next week, keto superstars.